we find ourselves in the book of James. And if you recall last time we spoke about true biblical faith uh, must be accompanied by works, good deeds. Uh, the deeds themselves don't save you. We spoke about that last time. But they are the entail of your faith. They are the revelation of what's happening inside of you. They reveal your love for Jesus Christ. And, and all along, James has been giving these kind of tests from the very beginning. Uh, James began by saying, Consider it all joy, my brethren, when you encounter various trials. Why? Because knowing that the endurance of your faith will, will be perfected through it. And so James gives his testing on how true biblical faith is revealed in how we respond to trials and how we endure trials. And in the end, we have the crown of life. James then goes on to say, Do not say that God tempts you when you fall into sin, for God is not a respect of persons, and He does not tempt anybody. Then James then gives a test, and he says, But prove yourselves to be doers of the word, not merely hearers only, and delude themselves. So James goes on to say that true biblical faith, it is revealed in the obedience unto the Lord. Obedience unto God. And, and James then goes on to say that we ought to show no partiality because God is not partial. And last time, as I said, we looked at what use is a brethren. If someone says <coughs> he has faith but he has no works, can that faith save him? And the answer is no. True biblical faith is not just us saying that we believe in Jesus Christ. True biblical faith, it is always accompanied by works, by good deeds that God has done. But now our beloved brother James, the half-brother of Jesus, he tends to grab all these tests and he brings it to a peak with this test that we're going to look at this morning, which is... I believe the greatest test for all of us it is the testing of the tongue. It is to examine our speech. We're in chapter 3. If you turn that to chapter 3, uh, James wants to explain to us in his chapter that if we are truly converted, if we truly have a new nature, a new heart, if we are justified by grace, then our Speech must follow. Yet if I say to you, do you actually perfectly speak all the time? Would you, be, would you be game enough to put your hand up today and say, yep, I've got this all together, even as a Christian? And everybody's heads down. <laughs> now we can look around the world and we can look at People killing one another with guns and with bombs and, and with all sorts of weaponry. But this morning, every one of us here, believers and unbelievers, we have the most lethal weapon within our members that can kill and break and damage. That is the tongue. Now, I want to remind you that Jesus says, out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks... And I dare say that every one of us has a problem with our tongue. And what we see here in James, we will look at that James speaks about the tongue that has great powers. It boasts. It is a fire. It is something that cannot fully be tamed. 
it's hypocritical and it's poisonous. I could say a few more things as we look at it in the morning, this morning. I don't know about you, but this is, this is hard. It's not an easy thing to talk about. And if you're anything like people that read this, you would wish that by the grace of God, this portion of Scripture was not there. You would wish that we wouldn't talk about this this morning. I said to one of my brothers this week, I was explaining to him what I was going to preach on. And he said, so how are you going to go this morning? I said, I don't want to talk. I'm scared of my own tongue. So please turn to James chapter 3 and let us read it together. James chapter 3 and we'll break it down in three, in three uh, parts. From verse 1 to verse 12 we read, now this is... This will, this verse, and uh, before we even read it, it is really applicable to the elders of this church at the moment and those who would desire to be elders. So let's read it together. Uh, maybe not the 12 verses. We'll take a, a little bit at a time. Maybe we'll read the first two verses for the sake of time. Let not many of you become teachers, my brethren, knowing that such will incur stricter judgment. For we all stumble in many ways. If anyone does not stumble in what he says, he is a perfect man and able to bridle his whole body as well. Uh, I named the sermon this morning, Managing the Tongue. And we'll look at three things. The warning about the tongue. Now this is not just for the teachers, and we'll look at that in a minute. It's not just for those who want to be teachers of, the, of God's Word. It is broader than that. The second point, we're going to look at the description of the tongue and then we'll just look at an application. So James begins, if you look at verse 1, he begins by giving this emphatic warning. I think it's actually right to give that warning after he's given all the other warnings. Would you not agree? I mean, if you're struggling, if you think about this, with your own problems and your own trials... Uh, there is no faith bearing, you're blaming God for your sins, you're showing partiality, you're saying that you have faith and you have no works. Well, James is really concerned. Let not many of you become teachers. You, you can't even stand straight right now. You're saying you have faith, but you've got absolutely nothing to show it. So just take it easy, hold the horses, and think about this very, very carefully. Why? Let me, let, let me quickly turn to what Jesus says about teachers. Now, teachers, let, let's understand, teachers were rabbis and, and they were the Pharisees and the scribes, of course, elders and pastors and, and preachers and those who lead the flock. In chapter 23 of Matthew, I'll read it for you, when Jesus spoke to his disciples, saying the scribes and the Pharisees have seated themselves in the chair, in, in the chair of Moses. And he says, they love the place of honor and at the banquets and the chief seats in the synagogues and respectful greetings in the marketplaces and being called rabbi by men. Jesus gave this warning. Why? Because anyone who puts themselves in that position, they are going to fall under this kind of category. They love honor, respect, they highly esteem. Right? And James is saying, listen, be careful because you will fall under this. But let me, let me quickly say this. 
James is not saying that you ought not to preach the Word of God to your friends, to your family. He's not talking to Sunday school teachers, so don't freak out and, and keep your mouth and don't talk. That is not what James is saying. James is talking to those at the moment, just here right now, to those who want to become preachers and teachers of God's Word and stand and lead the people of God to Christ. And so James is saying, what is your focus? Why, why do you want to do this? Uh, you say, Ralph, what's this got to do with, 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 the, with the tongue? Well, everything you do in preaching and teaching has to do with the tongue. When you lead the people of God, you're, you're not mute. And even if your hands were to move as a leader of the church, they are speaking for your tongue. They are speaking for what's happening within. It's very, very crucial to understand this. For those who desire to... Put the hand in the plow and lead the people of God. It is a heavy load. It's heavy. <laughs> it's not easy. We know how often we cry out to God and have sleepless nights for the flock. Let me tell you something. Most of you have studied church history, right? And the Reformation and all these godly men, right? Did you know that most and a lot of these godly men were weeping before they got behind the pulpit? Why? Because they were in fear of God's word. John Knox, as many of you know, the first sermon that John Knox preached, they say he was weeping so, so heavily. He was so moved by the word of God. It was so heavy upon him that they had to take him off the pulpit. It's a, it's a scary thing. When we come, we must say, thus says God. That's why we say, do not believe anybody unless they bring you the word of God. And thus James is saying, be careful, not many of you be teachers. Why? Well, listen, when Paul was talking to the Ephesian elders, he says to them, be on guard for yourselves, for the flock of God, which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers, the shepherd, to shepherd the church of God, which is purchased with his own blood this is a high calling this is a high calling in hebrews thirteen seventeen, we read for the elders they keep watch over your souls as those who will have to give an account the elders of this church have to give an account to god how they led you so i believe it's a beautiful loving warning that james is giving he's not just giving a warning to those who desire to be preachers he's not condemning them he's saying be aware because you're gonna you're gonna be facing god one day and timothy he warns uh, rather paul warns timothy to instruct certain men and uh, not to be teaching strange doctrine we read that in Second Peter that there will be false teachers. This is the reason why James is warning, don't be so haste as to want to become preachers and teachers, knowing, he says, knowing, look at your verse, knowing that we, he puts himself in there, we the teachers, we will be judged more strictly by God, more intensely by God, with greater greater not condemnation but judgment so what is this judgment i'll give you two ways to understand this 
the judgment obviously one has to be hell the other judgment is for rewards so if james is talking to believers it cannot be about hell but i do want to talk to you about the hell judgment for one minute and it's not for the unbelievers but it's for those who do not know christ let me quickly go there to revelation please turn to the revelation because there are two judgment in the scriptures one of them is at the great white throne of jesus and the other is called the beamer seat all right which is when, when we face god as believers and we are facing him and what we did in our earthly time this one here in revelations chapter 20 from verse 11 it is the judgment of god upon those who do not know christ and he says then i saw the great white throne of him who sat upon it from whose presence the earth and the heaven fled away and no place was found for them and i saw the great the dead the great and the small standing before the throne and the books were opened another book was opened which is the book of life and the dead were judged from the things which were written in the books according to their deeds and the sea gave up the dead which were in it and death and hades gave up the dead which were in them and they were judged every one of them according to their deeds then death and Hades was thrown into the lake of fire, which is a second death, the lake of fire. If anyone's name was not written or found in a book of life, he was thrown into the lake of fire. This is a frightening thing. This is not something to take lightly. But this is not what James has in mind here. What James has in mind if he's talking to brethren. Now, of course, that applies to a person who puts his hand up and says, I want to be a preacher and he's not born again. I want to teach and he's not born again. He will suffer greater condemnation from God because he actually said he was a preacher of God when he was a false teacher. He said, I come to you in the name of God. And in fact, he was actually filling his belly. So that person will definitely suffer a greater condemnation in hell. But for the believers, I believe what James is saying here is that what we do, we will either receive the rewards or suffer the loss of it. Which we find that in a few, verse, a few scriptures, but 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 13 to 15, I'll read them out to you for the sake of time. It says, each man's work will become evident for the day will show it because it is to be revealed by fire, with fire. And the fire itself will test the quality of each man's work. If any man's work which he has built on it remains, he will receive a reward. If any man's work is burnt up, he will suffer loss, but he himself will be saved as through fire. And I think this is where James is going with this. And he's saying, let not many of you be teachers. But here's what in verse 2 it says, for we all stumble in many ways. If anyone does not stumble in what he says. He is a perfect man, able to bridle the whole body. So James does not limit the tongue and the preaching and the teaching only to the elders, only to those who actually want to be preachers and teachers. He now broadens it out and he says, but everybody's got a problem with the tongue. Not just the, not just the elders and not just the preachers ought to be careful with this. Everybody ought to be careful with this. 
Proverbs 29.20 says, Do you see a man who is hasty in his words? There is more hope for a fool than for him. We are warned over and over again about our tongues. Proverbs 13.3 says, The one who guards his mouth preserves life, and the one who opens it wide his lips comes to ruin. And then he says, For we all stumble in many ways. Right? We all trip. We all fall. We all say things that we shouldn't have said. And then he says, if anyone does not stumble, he is a perfect man. Now, James is given a hypothetical here. If anyone does not stumble, he is a perfect man. And that word perfect is looked in two ways. And I really want to explain that really, really quickly, not to get into the Greek side of it. There are Greek people in this house. One of them is my mother-in-law. She'll probably correct me later. There are two ways to understand the word here, perfect. One, hypothetically, James is saying if you can bridle your whole tongue, you're perfect. You're Jesus. All right? You are so holy, you've come down from heaven. That's one way to understand that. The other way that this speaks about it, it means you are mature. And that means that James is saying this, if a person does not stumble, that means he doesn't continually sin into this problem of the tongue and he begins to control it. He's a perfect man. That means this. He's a mature man. That means he's growing in his holy living, which makes more sense. And they both fit. And then he says, and this man, he's able and the word able is the word that we get, the English word dynamite. And that means you have the power and the strength given by the Spirit of God to be able to control it. And it's revealed in your life. So we are warned from the beginning. James is saying, if you are able to control what you are saying, you will be able to control everything else. Right? So James is saying here, control your tongue and everything else will follow. It's not enough for someone, James is, as James, we've been reading James, to say, I have faith and I believe in Jesus. But the way we speak is exactly the same way, the way Jesus found us. There is no change. Our speech is just unholy ungodly as we will see so we are warned from the very beginning by the apostle james but now he begins to flush out this little annoying thing the tongue of what it looks like what it does what we should do with it the power of it so get ready because that was just the warning it's just a, that, that to me was like a just like a little crumb. Now we read. So follow along. That was just, just a warning. But now we are going to have this description of the tongue. Look at verse 3. Now, still speaking of the tongue, of course, he says, Now if, any man, if we put bits into the horse's mouths and they will obey us, we direct their entire body as well. Look at the ships. Although... 
Also, though they are so great and are driven by strong winds and are still directed by a very small rudder, wherever the inclination of the pilot desires. So also the tongue is a small part of the body, and yet it boasts in great things. Now he gives these two illustrations. I love James and his illustrations. You can see that he spent a lot of time with Jesus. He gives these great illustrations, right? You can't get better illustration than James. You hang around with Jesus for a long time. And he says, well, we put bits in horses' mouths and, 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 the sh- you know, and we control them. A horse is a powerful thing. It's wild and, and needs to be broken, I think. My wife told me, I said, tell me something about the horses. She loves horses. And once you break in the horse, correct, fam? Then you can put bits in its mouth and then you can start to control it. Well, James is saying that we can do that with, with a horse that is so powerful. And then we look at the ship and, and the weather takes the ship where it wants it. And yet the little bit and the little rudder actually control these great big things. So why is James saying this? Because this, this, the tongue is exactly the same. The tongue is what guides everything. And what's important for us to understand these illustrations is that those things that are so small are nevertheless controlling something so big. And they control the ship and they control the horse. But they also control the destination of where they're going, right? If you grab a horse and you leave it by itself in the wild, it goes wild. It goes wherever it wants. Let the ship be in the, in the waters and the, and the weather and everything else will take it where it wants. But the rudder controls it, all right? And the bit controls it, which means they will go wherever the rudder and the little bit in the horse's mouth go. It's the same thing with us. Our tongues control the directions of our lives. Right? It can accomplish great things. And just like the horse is controlled against its nature, and just like the ship is controlled against the forces of nature, we are meant to control our tongues against the forces of sin. And the tongue, James says, it boasts. The tongue boasts of great things. I'm so good. Oh, I'm an elder of a church. I feel so good. Boasting. Great things. Think about all the great things that you said about yourself with your tongue. It does. And if you're saying it doesn't, we've got problems. Okay, we've got problems. I'm misreading this. And the tongues here, if we speak with a tongue unholy and ungodliness and not what God says, then just like a sheep or a horse who will go wild by itself, it's exactly what you will bring with your tongue. You will bring pain and destruction to all people around you. When the tongue does not speak for building up, it speaks for putting down. When the tongue does not speak grace, it speaks 
haste. When the tongue does not speak love, it speaks hate. And if it does not speak truth, it will definitely speak lies. I found this verse to be so powerful. Proverbs 18.21. Please mark it down in your Bible. And what Solomon says here, really, really, it was like I've never read it before. He says, death and life are in the power of the tongue. And those who love it will eat its fruit. Did you get that? Your tongue will either bring life or death. That's frightening. It's scary. I, 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 for one, can tell you the tongue is powerful in me. It can boast of many things. By the grace of God, I am what I am. And He's growing me. Right? But we need to be honest. But James doesn't just stop there. He goes on to explain that the tongue is not destructive all by itself. Yeah? It's not something separate from our bodies. Like it's got its own little brain. And it just goes... Well, let's see what James says. Just in case we didn't get it. I mean, I love James. Just in case we did not understand him, he just goes a little bit more. And he says, hey, guys, let me, let, let me show you something. Chapter 5, uh, chapter, uh, verse 5. Uh, so also the tongue is a small part of the body, and yet boasting great things. Oh, yeah. See how great a forest is set aflame by such a small fire, and the tongue is a fire. Oh my goodness. The tongue is a fire. What does that mean? And if it says it's a small thing that kindles a whole forest. At the moment, I think we've got a fire in Perth. But think of all the fires that you may have come across in your lifetime. Every fire begins with a small, every bush fire begins with a small little spark, right? But once it grows, it's killed people, animals, homes, and it's left a path of destruction. Correct? What do you think James is saying here about the tongue? The tongue is like a fire. And we need to understand that, that the tongue, once it starts, it can spread so much and bring such Havoc. David knew this so well in so many of the Psalms. But one of the Psalms in Psalm 109, David speaks about his enemies who were killing him with their tongue. And he speaks about that his body was, he was broken, he was losing weight. In Psalm 57, the same person, David, says, My soul is among the lions, and I must lie among those who breathe forth fire. And even the sons of men whose teeth are spears and arrows, and their tongue a sharp sword. I don't know how many of you have read the book of Job. Where Job, I believe Job, next to Jesus I feel sorry for him, what happened to him. I mean, he lost 10 children, everything. His wife says, curse God and die. He's got boils and he's got diarrhea and he's left like a dog. 
And then his wonderful friends come along to try and help him. Well, that's great. This should be good. And the best biblical counseling they gave him is when they kept their mouth shut. Is when their tongue was behind their palate. And mm, 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 mm. as soon as they spoke, they killed him. Did you know that? Well, Job says it. Listen to what Job says to his friends. How long will you torment me and crush me with your words? Job 17, 19 verse 2. They killed him as soon as their tongues were open. They killed this man. Not, not, not that he wasn't already dead. I said, well, we'll just, we'll just stab you a little bit more. Let me just push it in. We need to be very careful even when we give counseling to others. If we don't know what we're saying and if we don't know what on earth is going on with a person like Job and say it's your fault that you're like this. Scary. This thing is dangerous. And if we didn't understand it, please, brothers and sisters, let's see. If we didn't understand James, just in case, he says that tongue is a world of iniquity. It's, it's full of deadly iniquity, unrighteousness and rebellion that comes from within. He says, the tongue is set among our members that which defiles the entire body. Someone quoted this verse last night. That which proceeds out of the man is what defiles the man, right? It comes out, right? It comes out. It's in the tongue. And just like fire spreads and it does not stay in one place so the tongue once the tongue is off it defiles the whole body once the tongue goes off it will spread and destroy the whole body in other words what james is saying the uncontrolled tongue will as sure as the fire burn and consume forests so too will the tongue consume and pollute the whole body, and kill the whole forest and people around. Then, just in case, I, 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 James says, and this fire, this tongue, is set on fire, and it sets on fire the whole course of life. Your life, our lives. Meaning that we will reap what we sow we will reap what we say it will affect our lives listen fire doesn't necessarily kill a person right a person can get away with it I, I remember just coming to my head the bali bombings and seeing some of these guys being burnt they are scarred for life and they will never ever forget the bali bombing right Sometimes the damage lasts a lifetime. Sometimes people cannot come back in their mind to where they are because they were so scarred by something that was said to them. I know people like this, by the way. James says, a tongue is a fire. It brings forth iniquity. It defiles the whole body. The tongue will set our lives. And once again... Just in case we didn't get it, guess where that fire comes from? James says, it is set on fire by hell. 
I, I, I walked out of my room and someone was at my house and I think I walked out like this and they said, Uncle Ralph, what's wrong? I said, I, 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 just, I don't want to preach this. When you understand this and it says it is set on fire by Gehenna, which was a place where people will offer up their babies as a living sacrifice to Moloch, a false god, which then became a garbage dump where all animals and all rubbish and all things were actually sent there to burn. And Jesus speaks about that, by the way. When people will go to Gehenna, there's a fire that will burn forever and ever. And this is Satan's home. And what's frightening about this is that James says that when we speak like this, when we gossip, when we slander, when we tell lies, when we talk, we are, we are spitting out hellfire. And that is not fitting for the kingdom of God, but of the devil, of Gehenna. Uh, that's, I think that speaks for itself. I can give you many, many applications in it, but I'm amazed. I'm amazed at, at what God says to us today. But there's hope, yeah? Okay? Just stay with me. There's hope. God did not save you, brothers and sisters, because you had a good tongue. Because if God wanted a perfect tongue, He will cut it out. Okay? So praise God for that. So stay with me. But it is crucial for us to understand what the tongue can do. We have to understand this right here. And just in case that we didn't understand it, just in case that we didn't understand that James has just stabbed us with Goliath's knife, he says this, look with me please, at verse 7 to 8. This is, this is what James says our tongue is like. For every species of beasts and birds and reptiles and creatures of the, of the sea is tamed. And has been tamed by the human race. But no one can tame the tongue. It is a restless evil and full of poison. I just want to go home. It is full of poison. Did you get that? James is saying, and maybe just like Noah, we can tame and direct every creeping thing, every Swimming thing, every crawling thing, every speedy thing, heavy thing, massive thing, ferocious thing, flying thing, and wild thing, but we cannot tame this little thing called the tongue. I'm amazed at that, right? You've been to the circus, I don't know, but you see people taming a lion and they put their heads in. And I'm like, and I'm like I cannot tame this, but they can do that. Isn't it frightening? The, tame, the tongue is untamable, uncontrollable irresponsible, irrespectable. It cannot be caged. It cannot be chained. It cannot be disciplined. And above it all, James says, it is a restless evil full of poison. One commentator, Matthew Henry, said this, No man can tame the tongue without supernatural grace and assistance. I praise God for that. He says the apostles, uh, the apostle rather, does not intend to represent that as a, a thing impossible, but a thing extremely difficult, which therefore will require great watchfulness 
and pains and prayer. What he's saying is this. It's not that you cannot control it. You can not completely control it. You cannot have it perfectly, but you can control it. And we are called to control it. Or else James would not have put that in there. Or else James would just leave us damned. He says, okay, well, there's your tongue. Live with it. Well, no. We're meant to do something about it, right? So let's read verse 9 and 10a. He goes on to say, with the tongue, here's what we do. With the tongue, we bless our Lord and Father, and with it, we curse men who have been made in a likeness of God. From the same mouth come both blessing and cursing. I praise you, God, my Father, for giving me life in Jesus. I thank you, Lord, for giving me a wife who will keep up with me. Thank you for giving me a husband who loves me unconditionally as Christ loved the church. And all the men say, no, amen, no. Thank you, Father, for my home church. Thank you, God, for my job. Thank you for my children. Praise your holy name. Thank you for allowing me to come here this morning. Thank you, God, for the blood of the covenant. Thank you for Jesus Christ. And then we curse fellow man who is made in the image of God. This is what James is saying. And James is warning us and then he expands this out to say, this is our third point, by the way. Let's have a look at the application. Look at from chapter 3, verse 10b. Let me read verse 10. From the same mouth we both come blessings and cursings. My beloved brethren, my church in Christ, Saving Grace Bible Church, and all the churches around the world, these things ought not be this way. What things? What, what? I mean, he's not talking about the blessings. He's not talking about the positive side of things. He's not talking about loving your brethren, because we are called to love the brethren. He's not talking about uplifting your brethren. No, he's talking about always the negative side in this, in this section. So what are they? Well, they're not the blessings. They must be the cursings. There must be the tongue issues, gossips, slander, destruction, fiery things, teaching God's word without knowing much, poisoning people, speaking hellish things. This is what we've read. Putting down people. Our tongues can do many, many things. Our tongues can break churches. Did you know that? Our tongues can rip churches apart. There has been many splits because of the tongue. I am from him and I am from him. And there's a separation. The churches can break, uh, rather the tongues can break homes. The tongue can break homes. A wife is angry at the husband. And now that she's angry, she talks to someone else about her husband. And even worse than that, she talks to her own kids about her husband. And now the kids have this thing about the husband. He doesn't know how to deal with it. He speaks to someone else. And it goes on and on and on and on. And before you know it, there's a separation in a home. Some get divorced. 
And what James is saying, these things ought not to be. These things ought not to be. James is not saying we shouldn't speak at all. He's not. He's saying we need to speak wisely. We have no excuses in what we say. We need to know what we say. But let us understand a couple of things what James is not saying. I really want to quickly start to bring this home. James is not saying, as I said, that it is impossible to control it. But it's impossible to absolutely control it all over it. But by the Spirit of God, we can control our tongues. We can. 100%. Why do I say that? Well, the fruit of the Spirit in Galatians says it's love. The fruit of the Spirit is peace. It is joy. It is patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. We can. And he says, against such things there is no law. Now those who belong to Jesus Christ have crucified the flesh with its passion. We can actually control our tongues. What James is not saying, number two, is that the tongue does not belong to you. And that means that you're not responsible because James says, you know what, the tongue is like this, but I'm not like that. It's just my tongue is like this. That's not what James is saying. But it's yours and you're responsible for it. And Jesus said, but I tell you that every careless words that people speak, they shall give an account on the day of judgment. Of course, some on the day of judgment of hell and some on for their rewards. Well, James is not saying that your tongue should remain that way. He does not say that. But it needs, according to Scripture, to excel in change. Paul wrote to the Colossians, Let your speech always be with grace, as though seasoned with salt, so that you will know how to respond each person. James 4.11 says, Do not speak against one another, brethren. Don't do it. Don't speak unholy against one another. Ephesians 4.31 says, Let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and slander be put away from you along with malice. We have no excuse. This ruling, unruling thing, this little tongue, we have no excuse just because we are justified by grace and just because we're saved by grace. And in the name of sanctification, we excuse our words the way we speak. Let that not be this little humble church. That we would excuse ourselves and have absolutely no problem studying. It's just a little slander. I only said, Brother John, he's got weird pants. I only said, Brother Mark's got nice hair. It's only a little slander. It's only a little gossip. Let me tell you, there's no exception. We should not excuse ourselves to trample on the foot the grace of God and the blood of the covenant. Let your yes be yes and your no be no. 
And James, with this application, he just then brings it home in verse 11 and 12 to say, okay, let me give you a couple of things so that you can see what's coming out of you. Look at the verses 11 and 12. These are three things here with that answer already implied. So I'll make it quick. Does a fountain send out from the same opening both fresh and bitter water? The answer is no. Can a fig tree, my beloved brothers, produce olive, olives and vine produce figs? The answer is no. Nor can salt water produce fresh. What does that mean? That means that we will know how we are growing with God, number one. Most importantly, from your tongue. Not coming to church and not reading your Bible. All that is fantastic. It's great. But if your tongue is not being sanctified, we've got a problem. Right? Now, as I'm bringing it in to give you some verses... I first want to speak to those of you who have not surrendered your life to Christ. Who have not repented and believed in Jesus. Let me tell you, if you do not have a new heart, you have not been converted, you have not said, Lord, Lord, save me. All the good words that you will say from here until you die will mean absolutely nothing when you face a holy and righteous God and He throws you into hell. Did you get that? All your good words and all your good deeds, I said some really nice stuff, will not help you on a day of judgment. Because Jesus said, He who believes in the Son has eternal life, but he who does not believe or obey the Son does not see life, but the wrath of God abides on him. But there is hope. There are five crucial words. Some of you have heard this from me say this before, that you must understand that Jesus himself said to Nicodemus when he came to him. Do you know what they are? Unless a man is born again. He shall not see the kingdom of God. You must be born again. This is not some sort of weird religion that we made up. Born again Christian. It doesn't exist. You're only a Christian if you're born again. There is not, I am a born again Christian. Somehow you were a Christian before, but now you're, you're a weird Christian. You're born again. Jesus said, unless you're born again, you're not even going to see the kingdom of God. Little I step into it. You need to have a new heart. You need to be transformed by the power of God. You need to be like the jailers who said to the apostles, Sirs, what must we do to be saved? What do we do to be saved? And they said to him, Believe in the Lord Jesus Christ and you will be saved. What should your words be? Let me tell you, I want to treat you with tenderness and love. Don't be so concerned because if you walk out of here and you start talking really, 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 really nice, it still doesn't make you a Christian. No matter how nice you talk. But if you bow your knee to Christ and you say, God, be merciful to me, a sinner, save me, God. I plead with you. 
those of you come in week in and week out and you walk out with a heart of stone, worse and worse. Every week you hear the same message and every week you reject it. Your words are not going to save you. Only Jesus can save you. You need to give your life to Him. It's not enough to say you're a Christian. Jesus says how a Christian becomes a Christian, not you. Now I want to talk to you, my brothers and sisters, for those of you who desire to be teachers. I want to encourage you. Because the scripture does not discourage you. It is an honorable thing. To come and say, I want to live my life for Christ. And I want to teach and I want to preach until my nose bleeds. I want to encourage you. Because God does not use perfect people. Your elders of this church, they're really imperfect. Did you know that? They're not that holy. But by the grace of God, God chose them through His sovereignty that they may speak the oracles of God. And we take that very seriously. And I want to encourage you if you desire that. But please, do some searching. Why do I want to be a teacher? Why do I want to do this? Am I called to do this? Do I have a deep conviction that the only thing I can do is preach and teach the Word of God? And then examine yourself. Are you teaching others right now? Are you preaching the Word of God? You see yourself constantly doing this. Do you study the Scriptures? Deeply, carefully, fully, and for the purpose of your own growth. Do you fear becoming a preacher and a teacher and a leader? Well, you will give a huge account to God. Praise be to God. He does use the foolish things of the world, right? I want to ask you then, what is God saying to you this morning? about your tongue. What's God saying to you? I beg of you, this is a hard thing. Please don't think of such and such who spoke to me and the other person who spoke to me. See what God is saying to you personally. What is God saying to me about my own tongue? Am my tongue being sanctified is it changing? Am I building people up with my tongue? Am I putting them down? Am I slandering my brother and sister? Am I talking about my cousin, my husband, my child? In what way am I talking about it? Am I blessing or am I cursing? There is hope. I'll give you a couple of things as we wrap that up. You must repent. Because every idle word you say against God is a sin. <laughs> Did you get that? It doesn't become a sin only when you burnt the whole forest. It was a sin when you began. It was a sin when that you kindled that fire. When you've got no problem talking about your brother or your sister in Christ. No problem. Your sin already begun. The destruction is only part of what started. John says, confess your sins. And he is faithful and righteous to forgive your sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Two, we must admit that apart from Christ, we cannot do anything. 
We need to lean on Christ. We need to go to the Lord. Three, pray. Pray like the psalmist. Pray like the psalmist who says, Psalm 119, verse 18, Open my eyes that I might see the wonderful things from your law. Four, trust the Lord will hear your prayers. If you're a child of God, the Bible says in 1 Peter, For the eyes of the Lord are towards the righteous, and His ears attend to their prayers. God listens to the prayers of the righteous. He didn't save you because you got a good tongue, but He saved you and He wants to sanctify your tongue for His glory and for His purpose. Three, study the scripture. Uh, five, study the scriptures. Present yourselves approved to God, a workman who does not need to be ashamed, accurately handling the word of truth. Six, meditate on what the Lord says. And say with the psalmist, Oh, how I love your law. It is my meditation day and night. Seven, treasure the scriptures. Treasure what you learn. Don't throw it out the window. And after here, you've got no problem having a loose tongue and just saying whatever you want. The psalmist says, Your word I've treasured in my heart that I may not sin against you. And God your tongue. David said, I will guard my ways that I may not sin with my tongue. I will guard my mouth as with a muzzle. It's pretty frightening. And then, as an application, let me finish with Philippians. Finally, my brethren, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is good repute, if there is any excellence in any, anything worthy of praise, dwell on these things. The things you have learned and received and heard and seen in me, practice these things and the God of peace will be with you. Let us look continually to Christ, purposefully, hopefully, worshipping Him. He will help and He will cause us to change. May He receive glory not just in our bodies and in our actions but in our words amen let's pray father you've saved the people lord who at the best of times stumble fall and sin oh lord how great this little thing that is in our members can boast but i can pray with my brothers and sisters lord god and we pray change us god Change us, God, that every, every, every word that we will say will be seasoned with salt, will be in love. Every word that we say, Lord God, will reflect the character and the personhood of Jesus Christ. Help us, Lord, for the flesh, Lord God, is weak, but we know that the spirit is stronger. Help us to fight this good fight, Lord, of our own self that we will say no to the flesh and we will say, yes, Lord, I want to say the things you want me to say. And for those, Lord, who have not submitted their lives to you, please, God, I beg of you, oh, Lord, that you will save them. Only you can do that, Lord God. No matter how many words we say from the pulpit, it's only one word they need to hear. It's from you and you will save them. 
Please be with us for the rest of the day. May we meditate on these truths for your glory. Amen.